0: What what I want to talk about this evening is how Jesus meets us, how the risen Jesus meets us, and especially how the risen Jesus meets us when we are sad and grieving and feel far away from God. How the risen Jesus meets us when we're sad and grieving and far away from God. I've spent the last uh, six months. uh, uh, I'm bishop of the Diocese of Oxford, which is Berkshire, Buckinghamshire, and Oxfordshire. And I'm spending uh, most of this year trying to visit every part of uh, our diocese and meet with groups of clergy and uh, church leaders. I'm about two-thirds of the way through that uh, journey. So I've met with around uh, 2,000 people to 2,500 people uh, so far to try and find out how we are, as the church, after these extraordinary uh, two and a half uh, to three years. The journey through uh, the COVID pandemic uh, giving way now to other crises, the terrible war in Ukraine, the other crises around the world, and the cost of living crisis, which is hitting communities uh, really hard, and trying to discern how, how we are. Uh, I, I'm hearing. Uh, uh, Some encouraging things. People are really aware of all the opportunities for uh, love and ministry and support that churches can give in their communities, and much clearer about that even than we were uh, two and a half, three years ago. But I'm also hearing, of course, that individuals and churches are really tired, uh, that some of the effects of this long process. Uh, have been really exhausting, uh, that it's only gradually that the depth and pain of these last two and a half years is emerging in the consequences in people's lives. And I'm also more and more clearly uh, convinced that the church itself stands in need of deep spiritual and theological renewal, a deep renewal of the heart, and of the mind at this particular juncture and this place in our journey. So that's drawn me to reflect, especially in these weeks after Easter, uh, on how Jesus meets sad and broken people, and sad and broken disciples, and how we know his presence, and how Jesus deals with us. And I've come back to this beautiful story in Luke 24, which I've been drawn to uh, over the course of my life uh, again and again and again to try and understand this wonderful Christian journey we make with Christ. It might help you to know, if you don't already, uh, two things about the story. The first is that Luke tells the story of the resurrection in his gospel in a different way from the other three gospel writers. Each is different. But Luke tells the story of the resurrection across a single day. At the beginning of Luke 24, uh, some women come to the tomb in the early morning. And then in the middle of the day, we walk to Emmaus and back again with Cleopas and his companion. And then in the evening, we gather with Jesus and the disciples in the upper room. And then uh, they go out to Bethany together uh, late at night. The whole story is told in a single day. This is the day of resurrection. This is a new day that is dawning, from beginning in the dawn to late at night. The second thing to remember about the story is that when we meet these two disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus, They are walking in the wrong direction. They're going the wrong way. They are leaving the community of the disciples and they're probably slipping away home. We know they're going the wrong way because when they get to Emmaus and discover who Jesus is, straight away they turn around and come back again. They have a literal conversion. We also know that because Jesus says to the disciples over and over again in Luke's Gospel and in Luke's second book, Acts, stay in Jerusalem, stay in the city, until you are clothed with power from on high. So in terms of the story, they're moving in the wrong direction. The story is characterized by gentleness. The risen Jesus deals really, really gently with broken, hurting people. He doesn't, in this story, appear in a blinding flash all in a moment in the road and tell them to turn round. Uh, Jesus does do that with other people, particularly St. Paul, on the road to Damascus in Acts 9. But in this story, that doesn't happen. And I'm left pondering why that is and whether it's because uh, these Two disciples are fragile at this moment, and Christ draws alongside them. When we first meet Jesus on Easter Day in Luke's Gospel, he is unseen, falling into step with these two disciples, who are themselves traveling in the wrong direction. That tells us something about the priorities of Jesus, uh, both in the gospel accounts before the crucifixion and the same after, to be with the lost and the least and those who are going wrong. And it should remind us that we are never closer to Christ and Christ is never closer to us than when we are straying. Uh, And actually, he is with us in all of those moments. as christ draws near there are four movements in the story and they each of them are the way in which jesus deals with disciples and reveals himself to his disciples especially when we are hurting and you might want to ponder them uh, now if you are sad and exhausted and broken and hurting as many people are after all we've been through. Or you may want to store them away for those moments when you are, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And how Jesus deals with these disciples is the way he will deal with us through our whole life's journey. The first movement is simply listening. Jesus draws near, he falls into step with Cleopas and his companion. They don't recognize him. And he asks the most innocent question. What are you talking about as you walk along the road together? What are you talking about? They stand still, looking sad. It's one of the first clues as to how they are. They are grieving. Uh, And then they respond to him really crossly and uh, abruptly. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? There's huge irony in the story, and especially in that comment, and uh, I like to imagine Uh, later in the day when they're on their way back to Jerusalem, they will stop and look back over their conversation and they'll say to each other, did we really say to Jesus, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem uh, uh, who does not know the things that have happened there uh, in these days? Did we say that? Jesus does not respond to their anger uh, and hurt with anything other than patience. And gentleness. He asks the second question, What things? And then you have the sense that it all comes tumbling out. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Uh, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him, but we had hoped. There's great weight in those words, we had hope. This is hope that is disappointed. It's not only the grieving for a friend. It's the hope of their lives, which has been frustrated as they see it by the cross. And then the glimmer uh, of hope restored. Some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb, uh, but him they did not see. The disciples are listened to and that unlocks their deepest pain and emotions. And the first way the risen Jesus deals with us, his disciples, is simply to listen. And one of the greatest gifts of our lives as Christians is to be able to pour out our hearts to God in prayer and have the sense that we are being listened to, and also to pour out our hearts. Uh, to one another as we are pastors and shepherds to each other and the pain and grief can be unlocked on the way to healing. The disciples present in that Emmaus Road story a very human perspective on who Jesus is. And Jesus then turns that round and offers a fuller perspective in the second movement. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. The second movement is where the risen Christ meets his broken disciples in the scriptures and points them to himself. And points them to himself. There are, I think, two profound and deep mysteries in our lives, which everybody everywhere uh, needs to be wrestling with. One is the wonder of what it means to be human, what it means to be alive, what it means to have purpose, what it means to uh, uh, share in the gift and care of children and ageing and death, what it means to be imperfect and finite. Uh, And the second is what it means to dare to believe that Almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth, became a human person in Jesus. And this passage, this conversation on the Emmaus Road, explores both the human perspective on Jesus and the divine perspective on Jesus, and how the two complement each other and unlock the secret of what it means and all the paradoxes and questions about what it means to be human. Finished reading a lovely, wonderful novel yesterday. I'm reading the novelist Matt Haig Uh, at the moment. I don't know whether you've come across his book, The Midnight Library, which is his most popular uh, book. He's written a second and a third that I've read now. Uh, The third is called The Humans, and its thesis is that an alien from a distant galaxy uh, comes and inhabits a human body and explore, in Cambridge in uh, contemporary Britain and explores all the strangeness and the wonder and the mystery of what it is to be human. It's asking all of those profound questions. It doesn't reach uh, anything like uh, conclusive or, or right uh, answers, but it asks the questions. And those questions, Jesus meets us in them and takes us to the scriptures concerning himself so we can engage our minds and study and reflect and encounter him afresh. Later they'll say, when are our hearts burning within us as he talked from the scriptures to us on our journey, something happens in our spirits. We bear witness to God's grace working through scripture. word of god then we come to the third movement something we will appreciate and explore this evening in the final part of our worship but first there is what is my favorite uh, verse in this which is one of my favorite passages as they approached the village to which they were going jesus acted as if he were going further. It's an intriguing verse, isn't it? Why does Jesus act as if he's going further? He hasn't finished uh, uh, dealing with these two broken disciples and restoring them on that long journey, yet he now makes as if he's going on further. He does it, I think, as another act of profound gentleness as Jesus, as it were, steps back and leaves space for people to respond to him in their own way, to issue an invitation to come in, to go further. There is nothing in God's dealing with us which overrides us, which uh, intrudes upon us. Everything in God's dealing with us respects who we are as individuals, and waits for a response from us before going further. They urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening, Uh, so he went in to stay with them. And then they gather at the table, Uh, he takes bread, he gives thanks, he breaks it as we will do this evening, and he begins to give it to them. Then we read their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They meet him. The third way that the risen Jesus meets with sad, broken disciples is that he meets us. He comes to be with us. He is present in our lives. We encounter him in worship, in prayer, on our own, in great assemblies like this, and especially in the sharing of bread and wine in the place he has appointed for us to meet with him. That's why we call the service Holy Communion, because it is a place where we are invited to meet with Almighty God in bread and wine and to commune with God In our spirits in this holy space that we have created so as we come to Holy communion this evening come expectantly with empty hands bringing the sadness and brokenness that we feel and come expecting to be fed and nourished and to meet with God And there is one more movement and one more place where Jesus meets his disciples. The two disciples recognize him. They return to Jerusalem, and they bear witness to what they have seen and heard. And they hear the witness of the other disciples. And they're in that place of Christian mission and witness, as they engage with telling their story, so the risen Christ is there too. We meet with Christ, not only as we gather together around the scriptures and the sacraments, but we meet with Christ as we serve God in our daily lives, in the ministries we're entrusted to, in our occupations, in our families, as we do what Jesus asks us to do, there we encounter the risen Christ as well. For Christ goes before us, and there are moments in our days when we recognize the presence of Christ with us in all of those ways. Jesus meets tired, broken disciples in listening and fellowship as we gather around the scriptures and ponder what it means to be human and who it is who comes to us as the risen Christ. In prayer and worship and in the breaking of bread and as we encounter Jesus by the Spirit in the whole world as we go and as we are sent. The Emmaus Road story is such a wonderful story for this reason that Luke presents us in this story uh, not with once and for all miracles from the days after the crucifixion and before Pentecost. Those miracles are recorded elsewhere in the gospels. Jesus appeared to his disciples uh, over 40 days, uh, uh, risen from the dead. But in this story, Luke is emphasizing the ways in which disciples in every generation encounter the risen Christ. Uh, To use some words from Luke's second book in Acts, when they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and in the prayers, then the risen Christ is present and with us. However you come, this evening, come to the Lord, pour out your heart, renew your sense of who Christ is, receive him in bread and wine, and go for him to discover him before you in the world. Amen.